Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 10th, 2017, sort of. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. <laughs> I'm Scott Long. <laughs> we're, we're taping a day late, but taping i date myself we're recording uh, no, a thing late. i'm always gonna say tape i know, you know here's this thing it's, there's nothing worse than an old guy trying to act like he's young and hip right because <laughs> old people laugh at that more than they do us old fogies that just say tape right yeah, so, i guess you know if we had all the lingo people are gonna laugh at us more so what is the lingo record is is not an old, a new word what was the new lingo? I, yeah i don't know uh, we are digitally capturing we're gonna drop this show <laughs> a <man>. day late <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just, you know, it's, it's funny to watch people like, you know, hey, you got to be hipper. You got to, you got to. No, no, you don't. I, I am 45 years old here in a week, and I'm going to act like a 45 year old. You are proud of it. Yes. Well, it was for good reason, though, right? That we're a day late, not because you're yes. old. That is true. Yes. I had a, uh, a little uh, quick trip down to Miami on Thursday, down and back. I haven't done those in a while. I used to do them a couple times, but. Mm hmm. Uh, down to Miami to uh, take a look at um, a, an intriguing option. We'll leave it at right now uh, for Antia Poker Cruises, and uh, very happy uh, to announce that it uh, appears to be working out. So, in the classic teasing our listeners, stay tuned for an announcement shortly, maybe even as early as next week. Uh, but this is a good, very, very exciting thing for us here at Antia Poker Cruises. And uh, it was a very uh, well-spent day for me uh, going down to Miami. Um, but in the meantime, visit antiupcruises.com for details on all of our upcoming sailings. And uh, we also have a couple other exciting ideas in the works here at Antiup headquarters. And uh, we hope to be able to make those announcements shortly in the next couple months. All you did there was just piss off a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, it's like, oh, they're going to be like, well, you literally just said nothing to us. I said nothing, yes. But hey, you forget, I'm running for office, so I... That's true, you're getting good at it. ...and saying nothing. You're getting good at it. That's, you know, you're just... You're using making a, it sound like I said something. Our listeners are like the alpha and the beta testers that we... <laughs> for your campaign. <laughs> I, I don't see why we just can't say it. Just tell them what's going on. I guess that's true. I, here, here's the reason I didn't want to say it. Is because right. We don't have a contract yet, so it's not on our website, so there's no information. But we're still trying to do that. That's the thing. Well, it's going to happen. It's just there's just no information on the website yet. So, you know, right. it's that thing where you tell someone what's happening, and then they go to the website, and it's not there, and then they get more right. upset. Right, right. So, all right. So let's just have an honest conversation with our listeners. Right. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Chris is forcing me to tell you this. So here, here's the agreement I'm going to make to our listeners, right? We're going to tell you what's going to happen. 
And you're not going to get upset that it's not on our website right now because it's not actually official. See, now that's so much more honest and efficient, and it it, it actually is going to give them something to be excited about. <laughs> Start making plans around this now. I love it. All right, so August 26th, we will be sailing to Havana, Cuba. Yes. And playing poker on the way. And, yes. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting <clears throat> trip uh, it's a little four-nighter um, we're also stopping in key west which is absolutely a blast everybody loves going to key west um and uh so we had to work out some stuff because the ship uh, is not necessarily conducive uh, as conducive i should say to our poker program but so i wanted to fly down there to make sure that we can make it work and i was pleasantly surprised at the possibilities that we have to do that um, but this is very exciting. So, you know, I know some people know that I went down to uh, Cuba a couple of years ago. Uh, next to Iceland, uh, the most fascinating place I've ever been in the world. Um, so, um, you know, it's it's opening up to Americans now. Um, and really hope a lot of people join us on the sailing because you want to get down there and see Havana. Um before we Americanize it. <laughs> That's right, before, before we Americanize Like every other cruise port yeah. that, that we go to. Or before somebody uh, changes his mind and says, we can't go to Cuba anymore. That is true, too. Exactly. <laughs> so let's go when we can. Um, but uh, but hopefully we'll have everything on our website here uh, next week um, or shortly after that, and uh, then you'll be able to start booking it. But it will be uh, late August. Um, and, you know, it, it's... You know, there's a lot of people out there. I think are a little hesitant to go. They they're intrigued by going to Cuba, right? Right. A little hesitant about getting on a plane and going down there and having to figure it out on their own. Uh, and there's not a lot of escort uh, trips right now. Um, although our poker manager uh, Ramsey does escort trips, and he will be sailing with us. And we've already been talking about him putting together some great itineraries for our guests to do yes. on that one day in Havana. So um, this is a great way for you to go down and do it in a controlled one-day thing, get an idea of whether this is a place you want to go back and explore. I'm pretty sure you're going to decide it is. Um, but uh, it's a low-impact way of getting down there um, and experiencing um, this country that Americans haven't been able to go to for 60 years now. Yep, and right out of Tampa. And, you know, like we said, it's not solidified yet, but that's when we're doing it. So start to clear your calendar now, and then we lock it up book baby book because it and i like it too i like the the picture you sent me when you were on the ship of the area that we might be having our poker room and yeah and uh, yeah that's where it'll be and uh it's really it's really pretty pretty damn cool i'm so glad i'm so glad i didn't have to say the keyword rhymes with scuba (laughs) you know i mean i'm so glad you could actually say it to them i mean they're not gonna hurt anybody's feelings if we don't get this somehow but that's what we're trying to do and they want to know come back and do a vehicle yeah if it doesn't happen we'll say hey it didn't work out but it's it's 99% 99% sure. Yeah. Stuff never falls through on this with us. So um, that was a big deal. So Very cool. Excellent. Now, you know, we can't tease the other announcements because we're too far away. From yeah, that's too far away. So don't try to force me into those, Chris. Yeah, no, you, I'm You not got gonna. the Cuba out of me. I'm not going to do it. I knew I'd get the Cuba out of you, though. I didn't even bring it up before the show. I'm like, I'm going to get it out of them on the show. No, it's it's exciting. So I'm glad you pushed me into it. Good. So, uh, hope we have uh, folks that want to join us. Um, all right. So part of the reason that we, we did the this tease that turned into a kind of a quasi-announcement Thanks to Chris. Yes. Was because uh, I've been spending a lot of time, as I do every week, search, doing all my uh, Google searches for poker news and just not finding anything to put on the show. We're just getting, it's very lacking out there in the poker world right now in terms of news, right? Yeah. Um, so what's interesting to me now is more of the stories that I found on my Google searches for poker uh, were not about poker than they were about poker. 
<laughs> now that makes it sounds kind of weird, right? But you know, we, we, every once in a while we've laughed about uh, you know probably two times a year some uh, woman kills her husband with a fire poker, right? Oh, right, right. And that comes up with the poker surges, right? Because Google isn't smart enough to you know realize it's not the real difference poker. between a fire poker and the game of poker, right? Right. Um, but what I'm talking about now is that you know we've just started the NFL free agency now, so there's lots of talk about GMs who uh, who have me- may have never played a hand of cards in their lives, but have good quote unquote poker faces, and of course the never ending stream of stories about government with elected officials quote unquote keeping their cards close to their vest <laughs> or playing a quote high stakes game of political poker. Um, and it just made me start to think. Uh, we've actually never talked about this in this show, but well, what do we think about? Uh, these tired cliches um, continuing to define our game. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it indifferent? What do you think? I really want to go all in with this topic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to shove other topics aside. All right, just just let the chips fall where they might. Well, I'm going to let the chips fall where they may and splash the pot whenever I feel like it in my club. Um, I think you have an ace up your sleeve right now. You know, here's the deal, you know, Here's the deal. Get it? The deal. Nice. All right. Um, I really. It's not good. I really. I know. I. I don't think that this really is a bad thing, and I think that you'll find vernacular thrown around in every conversation that's related to some other sort of topic or theme or something. So it just happens to be that poker is a great way to explain situations like how many times do you get a baseball reference you know or even a football reference or something the whole nine yards and all this crap so i mean i think they come up a lot in other things as well um but if it's if it's something that's going to keep poker on the minds of people and that it doesn't fade into the background i'm all for it you know i i i don't really i know that a lot of times as editors you and i are forced to take out the cliche things that people write or mention um, because it's just you, you, you can be better than that. You can come up with a better way to write high stakes game of political poker. You know, I mean, you could just be a better writer. Right. Um, but for the layman, when they're not not somebody who's editing a, a piece of copy or not realizing that they're having the story spoon fed to them, I don't think they mind it. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's funny when they especially NFL free agency, they're taking one sport and they're using another sport or competition to to describe it. It's kind of funny. It's like you don't say, you know, a baseball reference when you're talking about NFL free agency very often, but they'll use poker freely. Right. And it's, it's I mean, it's a cool way to describe things if you're, you know, if you're into poker or whatever, but I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I'm not tired of it, that's for sure. I, I don't, it doesn't come up that often. It comes up in your searches, but I mean, I don't, I don't go down the street and like, Hey, I mean, what's going on? Hey, I'm all in, baby. Oh, don't say that. That's that's terrible. You know, find a better way to tell me what's going on with your life. You know. Oh man. Well, I agree. This is not a problem that needs to be solved. So I hope nobody thinks that I'm putting on the show to discuss it because I we need to have a uh, poker cliche defamation league started or something here. But uh, I think there's two things here. One one is the just the use of cliches, which you touched on, which I just generally hate. Mm. I'm trying really hard in my life to get away from cliches unless I'm doing it for a purposeful effect, right? Sometimes it's funny to use a cliche rather than just the tired <laughs> cliche. <right? laughs> um, 
but then this other one is, is about you know so so here's like a tactical hit like keeping their cards close to their vest like how many people have played poker with a vest on since Wild Bill Hancock was shot <laughs> right right it's just it's just a it, it doesn't really say anything right it's just one of these sayings that people say and they have no idea what it means when you stop to think about what you're saying. And where it came from, then you start to giggle a little bit, right? Right. Like cut and dried. That's another one. You know, one, it's bad enough that people say cut and dry, which we've already discussed in the show. It's yeah, I was going to say, didn't right? you just bring this up on the show like exactly. last week? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's also about, I mean, how many people are actually out there in the normal public, and I'm not talking about Jack's Links, that are making beef jerky, right? <laughs> right. It, it, it's, it, but people use that all the time. Like it's, and that's the idea of a cliche is it helps you understand what you're saying without having to say it, right? Yeah. But if you don't really understand what you're saying, why does it matter? <laughs> I mean, people have a general idea of what keeping cards close to their vest means, right? But if you stop and think about that. Yeah. Yeah. The same and way. really, if you think about it now, you can't keep your cards close to the vest of the poker room. You can't take them off the table. Right. Right. So it doesn't even make sense anymore. Right. 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 But then there's the other thing that I was talking about is that, um, you know, when, when people keep using poker references, I mean, I can see it go both ways. I think it does help make the game sound important, right? If we have people that don't play poker, but they continue to use poker references to describe their whatever they're trying to talk about, it shows you how, um, how deep poker is ingrained in our society. Indeed. Right? Yeah, indeed. So that's a good thing, right? Um... But the bad thing is, I think it makes it it makes it sound like it's this dangerous game. And dangerous is the wrong word, but um, it sounds secretive and it sounds misleading, right. like poker faces. It's at that back room smoky deal kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I really, that that's where I am upset. I, I hate when people refer to poker in those terms because that doesn't. It, that's not the poker that you and I know, right? Right. I'm not suggesting that there aren't poker games in backroom smoking filled halls because of course there are but the poker you and I know and all of our listeners know is a, a clean fun game in a casino with, mostly with fun people playing with their own money or playing with money that they can afford to lose not you know with the the kids college education the rent money on right mm-hmm. and so anytime that you make it sound more devious or dirty than that uh, it, it hurts me a little bit on the inside well, the examples you gave in a little graph, nut graph here are a perfect reason for that. When you say poker faces, that right there lends to lying. You're you're bluffing because exactly. you're keeping a face that is not what you exactly. intend. Right. The other example you hear is high stakes game. So it sounds like peril, like right. they're high stakes. Poker, you're playing. You're with money that you don't have to lose, right? Right. And then the close cards to the vest is is indicating cheating. Like someone is. If you don't keep them close to your vest, someone will look at your cards and, and not have, be a gentleman about it. They'll cheat. Yep. And it's just, it's it, you're right. Those cliches, I can do without with. All in, hey, that means you're committed. There you go. That's fine with me. But, you know, things like that, you're right. They, they can give a negative connotation toward the game itself. It's easy to understand what they mean right away, but really, just find a better way to say it. Well, here's the other thing I just realized. Keeping cards close to the vest, what's the alternative? That you're showing everybody my cards. Hey, look what well, I got two aces here, folks. <laughs> it makes no sense now. The more you think about it, yeah. it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's other cliches that I didn't put on the notes that we could. No, but I mean those three just show you three negative ways to look at the game right. that they use 
that all the time and all the time you see stuff about poker faces and close to the vest all the time it's crazy yeah that's actually, that was that was worth talking about yeah i mean you know they could have talked about connecticut getting another casino but no no that's all right let's talk about poker cliches <laughs> so far off i know it is but it's exciting it's my old stomping grounds and yeah. uh okay uh, Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi will host two Annie Up Poker Tour series this year. The first, the Pearl River Spring Poker Classic, runs March 24th to April 2nd, with the winner of the main event appearing on the May cover of Annie Up Magazine, and the second, the Pearl River Poker Open, to be scheduled this fall. For more information, visit AnnieUpMagazine.com slash Pearl River. PokerRadius.com is a great poker networking site that is home to the Annie Up Group Discussions, Basic memberships are free and get you access to the Anti-Up Group discussions, and upgraded memberships get you access to discounts on poker products and automatic entries to contests. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. Comes from Ed Rindler. He says, I'd like to get my friends to play more poker games. We only play No Limit Hold'em in our home games. Most of the time we play cash. But I throw an occasional tournament for the friend that only likes that game style. I have tried mixing the tournaments up with bounties or rebuys and even did a round-robin heads-up tournament. My brother and I like to play other games like Omaha and Stud. Any advice on how to talk them into other games? Uh, When we could play online, it wasn't an issue because there were always games around that didn't break the bank as a learning tool. Now it's much more challenging. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big problem with losing online, right? You yeah, know, it was interesting. I had a uh, we got an email from a college uh, student doing a paper on poker and whether to plateaued or not, and wanted some feedback. And that's one of the things I always explain to people is that the loss of online poker it, it's far reaching on what it means for the poker. And the big thing for folks like this is you could used to go on there and learn seven card stud playing penny to penny and not lose anything, right? Yeah. And now you can't. So I um, do have a suggestion real quick about that. Excellent. Please do. You could join Papes because That's true. our play money and the Intercontinental Poker Series has played every date that ends in a six on Poker Stars. Now it's free money, but it's mixed games and they take it seriously. There's a handful of people on there, maybe 10, 20 people, that really, really take Pape seriously. They really want to win Player of the Year. They really they love the environment. They have a great community. They're all friends, but they take it seriously. You want to learn. You could also just play for play money on there, and you're not going to really get the quality or the type of play you'd play if you're playing right. for money, but you'll learn the flow of the game, the basics, whatever. For that part, getting exposure to that i recommend that but the convincing the other people i have zero skill at convincing people to play other games my wife will not play anything but hold them when i can only get her to play that as it is but they either want to have want to play or intrigued or they have to be bored with hold them it's very difficult to convince someone who loves hold them is great at it and is winning money at it to say why would i want to risk money in another game that i'm going to be sucky at and lose when i can just keep winning at no limit hold them so it's tough to convince them. I really don't. The only thing I could recommend maybe is playing variations of Hold'em games. So if you say, hey, let's play uh, Pineapple. It's still Hold'em, but you're just getting one more card. Right. It's, it's still a Hold'em game. It's still Flop, uh, but you get one extra card, and you get rid of it before the Flop. So now it's still Hold'em. There's just an extra card. Then when they get used to that and they like it, they say, let's play Crazy Pineapple. <laughs> 
Well, we don't get rid of that card till after the flop. And then they're like, oh, now you've got three cards in your hand till after the flop. Okay. Well, now that you've had three cards in your hand till after the flop, let's play Watermelon when you have four cards. And then you get three after the flop and then two after the turn. And then now that you're used to having four cards in your hand, let's play Omaha. You get to keep all four cards, but you only get to play two of them. You know I mean, so you break it in and then they say, oh, I like it. hey, look at that. And, and then you say, hey, you know what else? You realize that Hold'em is just stud with everyone using the same cards in the middle. Because we all get seven cards in stud like you do in Hold'em, and you get two at the beginning like you... Let's just do that. Let's, and so that, that's kind of a way to convince them, maybe. I don't know. No, I like that. It's baby steps, right? Yeah. And it's the proper baby steps. You're right. You know, let's keep with the game, a structure of a game that everybody knows, which is the Hold'em, right? So now you're... You know, it's still a flop turn river and all that kind of stuff, so you're not, you know, blowing your mind like you would if you jumped right into stud. Yep. Which is like a whole nother kind of way of looking at everything, right? Um, and then, yeah, baby steps into that. And then once you see if people get excited, if people get excited with that, then you introduce them to the next one and the next one. So I like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you're going to get them involved in the draw unless you, like, watch California Split and they fall in love with the movie and want to try something. You know, get them to watch a movie that may get them interested in it. But the other way is it's just a smooth transition from Hold'em to Omaha to Stud, so... Well, the other thing I suggested, too, is maybe maybe you pick a night and you don't play for money. You know, maybe you say, you know, I, I don't know how often he plays. If it's weekly, if it's weekly, you know, maybe you pick one night a month and say, hey, tonight's not, we're not going to play for money, but we're going to play a new game. Yes. And, you know, have everybody read up on it and explain it, and then you're playing for fun. Um, and then, then you can gauge. If people at the end of the night say, everybody, hey, I like this stud game. Let's play this more. Then you can work it into your rotation for your money game. And then you're going to get better. And people are like, yeah, this, this ain't working for me. Then, you know, but you tried, right? Yeah. Um, or if you play monthly, you know, maybe every third month or so, you do a free night. And, I mean, yeah. a, a non-hold'em night where you're not playing for money. So, Or you do it, like you said, in tournament form. That mm-hmm. way it's going to cost them one little small buy-in. And then you go back to the cash games later so they get some exposure to it. You know, yeah. some quick turbo of Omaha or something. And then, but yeah, there's... Yeah, it's just whether or not they're bored enough with Hold'em, or they, if they suck at Hold'em, they might be like, hey, you know, there's another game I might not be bad at, you know, or, or something. So they're, they're very, plus, we've always promoted playing other games because it makes you better at the other games. It really does. Um, yeah, I would say this is a tough thing for me to answer because I'm just, I, I kind of our funny uh, line in our marriage, because me and Laura is, uh, I'm, I keep telling her, why? I'm naturally curious. How come you're not naturally curious? So anytime like you know something comes up, I'm like trying to I go on Google and try to go down these rabbit holes to figure out everything, learn it right. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> how can you not be naturally curious about this? Yeah, like, yeah I'm not. So um, this is kind of why I really got into the other games. It wasn't just so much that I felt like I needed to learn them or that. I just I was curious about these other games I saw and I wanted to learn more and play them. And you know, once you played them, uh, I'm actually I like pretty much all the poker games now um except for obviously the baseball that we talked about last week <laughs> yeah right right um and there's some that i prefer to play other others but um it, it, it's just natural for me to want to learn other games so it is kind of frustrating and i can probably understand and empathize with ed's frustration because it sounds like he's playing with folks that you know they're just happy with what they got and yep. there's nothing wrong with that but, right um it, it's just it's tough for me to understand because that's not how i'm wired I'm wired to always want to learn something new. Exactly. Keep learning stuff new, and then and then go back and do the things that I like. But you know, um, so it is kind of difficult. But uh, but I think we gave some good ideas. Yeah, I think so. See what happens. <laughs> Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. 
Email us at podcast at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. comes from Tom Filipek. Since I was in a 2-4 limit game in a Connecticut casino and bet $4 on a turn holding the 5-3 of spades on a board that had an ace, a 4, and a 3 of diamonds. At the same time, the cocktail waitress arrived with my coffee, and I turned my head to tip her, unlike what Casenza would do. <laughs> when I turned back, the bet I had you shoved... You power play there now. That makes sense now. <laughs> it was a poker decision for you. That's right. It was a poker decision. <laughs> when I turned back, the bet I had shoved toward the pot had been shoved back to me. The dealer announced the other player was all in. Dealer burned a card and then put out a river, which was a deuce of clubs, completing my straight. I flipped over my cards. The all-in player started pushing his hand toward the muck, and the dealer started pushing the pot to me. When a third player started pushing two two cards toward the muck that had been hidden from my view from behind her chips, huh? I was confused. Why was my bet shoved back to me by the dealer when this woman clearly wasn't all-in on the turn? The dealer then realized his mistake and called the floor. The floor didn't know what to do and called a higher floor. I like that, higher floor. <laughs> it's like pushing the elevator. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, the higher floor left for a brief discussion and then came back with a ruling. My $4 bet on the turn would stand. The deuce of clubs would be shuffled back into the deck and the new river would be drawn. A number of people at the table who were not in the hand protested the unfairness of the situation, but the ruling stood. The woman called my $4 turn bet. I checked blind, and the new river was put on the board, the four of diamonds. The woman turned over her ace of diamonds for the flush, and the pot was pushed to her. I know that when a card is put on the board prematurely, this is the normal procedure, but how late should this remedy occur? After showdown? I was directly I was directed to show my hand after the initial river card was dealt. Should I have verified that no one had any cards hidden from my view before revealing my cards? Is this a case where rule one... Uh, might have been considered. Shouldn't the player have had some obligation to pay attention to what was going on? All right, Elliot says, this situation is a doozy. <laughs> it certainly got a lot of attention for the casino for what was probably the lowest stakes game in the room. Based upon the order of events, I'm fairly certain that the casino messed this up and ruled incorrectly. You bet. Your opponent was all in. Your bet was returned to you. The pot was made right. The river was dealt. You showed your hand. Your all-in opponent mucked and a new opponent proved ownership of a hand. The rule to be applied here is failure to stop the action before three or more players have acted behind you may cause you to lose the right to act. This rule is supposed to work in conjunction with shuffling back in of the premature river rule and not to be forgotten at all. There were at least four separate actions by persons other than the owner of the phantom hand. One, the declaration of all-in. Two, the dealer burned and turned the river. Uh, the, the dealer counts as a player when determining the amount of actions that have occurred. Three, uh, the showdown started with you showing down your hand. Four, the showdown continued with your all-in opponent conceding the pot. And no time did the third party speak up or try to stop the action or to try to get anyone's attention. It's highly probable that this person's hand was hidden from view as neither you nor the dealer noticed its existence. Hiding one's hand from the dealer and the players also renders the unnoticed hand dead due to yet another rule the one stating that all cards must be visible to all players at all times. And finally, the casino is obligated to make the ruling that would result in fairness being applied to the situation, something that didn't happen based upon the reaction from the rest of the players. By enforcing the premature river rule to the exclusion of every other rule in existence, a poor ruling was made. The result was you got rooked. The silent player's hand should have been declared 
unprotected and mucked dude in action. Hmm. Definitely a doozy. I agree with that part. That is definitely a doozy. I cannot believe they ruled that way. Yeah, I mean that's you know it's it's t- I I know players it's tough for them when there's a prematurely exposed car. Right? That that that's always a difficult situation. Right. Uh, but I think most players that have been around now understand what's going to happen there, and you know you you might want to kill the dealer for screwing that up, but you know it is what it is. But this is a completely different scenario, I think. This is a dealer actively telling you, "Hey, you can't bet anymore. Everybody's all in." And then, then they find this this as you know, it's a phantom hand, and then the the decision is to now that you've exposed your hand, which doesn't happen in the other scenario we're talking about. Now you're at a disadvantage, and now they're going to throw that card away. And obviously, you know, I'm sure the casino was hoping that uh, our hero here won this pot, and then it wouldn't have mattered, right? Yeah. That was the worst case scenario for them is to make that a bad ruling and then have it um, change the outcome of the hand. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I can see why people were upset here. At least the lady didn't bet the river when she made her nuts. That's true. Yeah. You know, or whatever. I mean, that made, would made really be a Deutsche Bank mood, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now, now here's the problem. Now, think about this though. What if she did have the nuts? Which I, I guess she might have had the nuts here, right? Well, the board, paired, the board paired, but yeah, the board paired. That's true. Yeah, that's right. She yeah. had the flush. So if she though. had the nuts, then she would have had the bet. Had the bet. Yeah. <laughs> now I would have felt bad for her in that sense. I wouldn't have felt bad overall because she obviously wasn't paying attention to the game and you know let all this happen when she had her hand. But that would have been a weird scenario, right? Because I think gentlemanly poker here. You would you would say, oh my gosh, this is a terrible scenario. This guy showed his hand. He's checking blind. Not going to take advantage of him, right? Yeah. I'm just going to win the pot. But you can't do that if you have the nuts. Now, you, now you're compelled to bet. Yep. That's hilarious. And, and you also can't be at that time explaining why you're doing it, right? Yep. You can't say, oh yeah, I've got the nuts now. I got to bet because that's a violation too, right? That would be fascinating. The other thing, the way you win, and then they explain to everybody, yeah, and they're not trying to be a Deutsche Bank, but I, you know, it's the nuts I had to bet. I I don't want to open a whole new can of worms here, but I'm just curious. I know, use a fishing cliche. Um, But, you know, we are using TDA rules for cash games, too, which is interesting. Like, are, are these situations changed because you're allowed to show hands and. In cash, you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to figure well, yeah, out. Again, I mean, obviously, TDA rules are for tournaments only. But right. A crossover now because that, that, you know players get used to it. That it, it's a good place to start with these rulings. But yeah, you're right. It's a cash game, so I mean, decisions don't have to be TDA'd. Um, it can help. It can aid in what they're thinking. Aid, but yeah. I just yeah. wonder, you know, like if Robert's rules was a little more fleshed out or something. But it just it. it He's absolutely right. He's nailed it on the head. With not only did they screw this up one way, but they screwed up with another rule that would have protected him. And it's like it's a it's an abomination, really. It's terrible. But you live and you learn. Um, it's just too bad that people can't have a discussion. Now, you don't want to stop it for too long because you got you know, all these other people being penalized because someone made a mistake. You know what I mean? So you don't want to have those guys sit there and not be able to play hands for twenty minutes. But I think logic should have really and rational thought should have really ruled here, and it didn't. It's just not right. So the, my other problem with this, though, is where was every other player at the table? Well, he did say someone were saying this is bull. No, I mean afterwards, but I mean during the hand. Oh, during the hand, like, hey, that no person's not all in. that this woman had cards? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Which, I mean, I guess that means that she really did have him hidden, and that's a problem, too. But um, but it's hard for me to imagine someone can hide a hand at the table so well that no one yeah. 
notices. He did say they were behind her cars. If you do that in a lot of casinos, you're all in, but it's a limit. So, (laughs) but but if I'm playing limit poker, I have to admit I'm like on my phone if I'm not in the hand because it's just so boring. Yeah, I'm not paying attention. It's like a. I mean, when you're talking at full table, you've got nine or ten people sitting around, right? Yeah. And you have somebody else that was already in the hand. I mean, maybe excuse the other six or seven that weren't in a hand here, but and, and our hero obviously was distracted by the cocktail waitress. So, all right, give him a pass. But what about the other person that was all in? Yeah, because he's attention. To what's going on? He, he's going to want more money in the pot because you know, I, I, I guess it's an incentive for him inc- depending on what he has. Yeah. to get somebody out of the pot. Right? Somebody out of the pot. Yeah. Never know. Because you know you could force the, the best hand out, winning hand out, and then win. Yep. you know, based off that. So, yep. oh man, at least that person should. Have so been. many problems with this. Man. Jeez. Well, this is why I don't want to be a tournament director. Yeah, I, that's what I'm okay. saying. Or, or especially or, hire or a dealer or a hire for, or even a dealer. I mean, it's tough work. It's yeah. tough work. You know, you're, you're expected to be perfect all the time, and you just you can't be. You just can't so, be. Yep. Hey, we get to complete O'Malley's move today. That's always exciting. Uh, yeah. Here comes part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. We're down to heads up in that 50-person, $100 buy-in, no-limit hold'em tournament. My opponent started heads up with over a 2-to-1 chip advantage, but we have since chipped away at that lead, and now we're in first chip position. We currently have a 3-to-2 chip advantage. 30 big blinds to 20. We're on the button and post the small blind. He posts the big blind. We look down at the ace of clubs, nine of clubs. This is a good hand heads up, so we raise it to three big blinds. He calls quickly, and we go to a flop. With six big blinds in the pot, it comes down the ace of hearts, seven of hearts, six of hearts. Our opponent shoves for his remaining 17 big blinds. So... We've got top pair. What's the play here? Uh, I call. Uh, top pair is a strong hand, heads up. Uh, he's not shoving here with a flush, and most likely he would have raised his preflop if he had a better ace than us. Uh, plus, we had the added bonus of not being eliminated if we're wrong, so these are the kind of chances we need to take. Yeah, you know, we won't be out if we call and lose. Um, and if he already had the flush, wouldn't he have tried to get as much out of us rather than kind of scaring us with a shove? Exactly. I'm not falling for it. I'm calling too. And if we lose, like I said, we still have chips, and we outplayed them heads up this far. So let's let's just call and see what happens. Hello again. With the inexperience of our opponent, I think we're in the lead here. He didn't raise preflop, so it's unlikely he has a better ace than we do, and I can't see a flush or a set shoving here. I'm guessing he's on some kind of a draw. We're going to make the call. Our opponent turns over the ace of spades, four of hearts. We just have to dodge a four or a heart, and when it comes down, the nine of spades, king of clubs on the turn and river, we take down this tournament. Add it to the bankroll. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes a good showing in a tournament can lead to some positive momentum. I wonder if this will propel me into a winning streak. I hope to see you on the felt. Hey, yep. It's a good reminder uh, to players that they need to loosen up shorthanded. Uh, that doesn't mean reckless, of course, uh, but I do think that too many players play too timidly in these situations, you know, because people don't have as much experience playing heads up or shorthanded, right? That's so right. You end up, in your mind, you keep thinking of playing how you normally do, and there's nothing worse. I mean, because I know you've covered final tables, and I have, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're long and tedious, but there's nothing worse when you get a couple players at the end who have never played heads up before, and it's a constant folding. 
back and forth, right? <laughs> yeah. Because they're, they're waiting for that pocket pair to open it. I'm like, yeah. heads up. You know, you got a, you got paint. You're probably opening the pot. Yeah, you're raising. That boy, yeah. So. Um, I like to think the three of us won this tournament together. Oh, really? Yeah, I think we all won it together. <laughs> but I think his call was quite correct. And the ace four played it the way he probably would have played. You know, he should have played ace four. He call a raise with ace four. You hit, you know. I'm putting it all in too because I don't have to give him a chance to check catch up and we're heads up. So I hit my ace, you know. I yeah, don't yeah, want him to draw out on me. Stack. That's what you want now. Yeah. Hey, I got a pair of aces, you know, and you know, hey, if you've got a better ace, then that's great. But I mean, you could be raising me with anything when you have the chip lead, right? Yeah, it could be pain, like I just said. So, and you don't want him to catch that fourth heart if he has a random heart in his hand. Oh, so you're absolutely yeah. shoving there. So everything, everything played the same way it's supposed to. It just we were just worried if he had the flush array, and I was not worried about that. So yeah. So the one thing that's interesting about this, I think, is that he didn't raise us with the ace four. Pre-flop. Oh, preflop. Yeah, I thought about that too. But it is Which a I don't think ace. it always happens. So that's kind of the tricky thing is that, you know, sometimes, you know, there's there's a lot of trapping that goes on heads up too, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and, you know, you, you don't all automatically do three and four betting. You know, it's nice to catch somebody in a hand like that. So um, it's, it's not, I don't think it's wrong that he didn't race there, but it is part of the analysis that I had was that we would assume that he would have raised preflop with an ace. Yeah. I tend to do that sometimes, though, especially heads up as I try to trap with an ace. You know, I mean, I'll I'll definitely get it all in with somebody if I have a decent ace anyway, pre-flop heads up. But uh, I do that once in a while. I'll just trap, and they'll think, oh, he can't have an ace here. He's bluffing, and then you have it, and you get double through. So, um, but yeah, I, I I think I would have played it his way because a raggy ace, a wheel ace, and then... Well, and that's the other thing, too, is like, he doesn't want to get... I don't know if he wants to get all in here with ace four, right? Yeah. Pre-flop. And if you raised you again, the chances are that you guys are going to get it all in, and then you know it, yeah, it, it's too vulnerable of a hand, yeah, being dominated like that. So it's probably he probably is right just to call the so, raise, and then if he gets an ace, then it's in. But, yeah, interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's not cliche. Either. That's old too. It's showing your age, which is what you want to do. Forty-five years old. I'm not going to act like a kid. <laughs> All right, it's time for advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And I fast-tracked this one because it's a fascinating hand. I really like this hand. And it's Omaha 8, so I know you're going to hate it. So it has everything going for it. Excellent. <laughs> Comes from Dave Beeson, and he says, I'm playing 4-8 half-kill Omaha high-low. And he says, I can hear Scott getting excited already. I am, I'm getting... And can you hear me going, oh. But see, you know, he's a positive person here. He didn't say anything about Chris. He just said about me. So you know, he's go. making me happy, and uh, he's probably lamenting that he's making you not happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's playing 4-8 uh, half-kill Omaha high-low at the local casino. He says, it's a new table. It's early in the session, maybe about two or three orbits. Most people have stacks about $80 plus. Um, he says all the people in the hand that we're going to discuss here have around 100 bucks. Uh, the table's full of dreamers. Six of the nine people at the table are serious calling stations. If players have fourth low, they will call the showdown. Oh, my kind of game. Uh, table talk indicates that some of these guys think that top two pair is a monster, even with straights and flush as possible. Oh, man. Jeez. You didn't tell me what local cuisine this is. Yeah, that's, let's, that's kind of let's go. Yeah, let me know. It is not uncommon to have six plus people in hand pre flop, and I think I've been the only one to ever raise pre flop. <laughs> wow, this is like a dream Omaha game. Uh, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. 
Uh, we are in a kill hand, so the betting is 612. Uh, there are five callers, and I'm in the cutoff with Ace of Diamonds, Trey of Diamonds, Eight of Hearts, Eight of Clubs. See, now this is the type of hand where I should be reading it to you. This is your game. This is your favorite drooling right now. And I, I you know, I, I'm not raising. I, it, I mean, if you want to build a gigantic pot, I guess, but then again, you're, you're dominated by ace-deuce with all these callers, and typically people who play these games are only playing the hand if they have a deuce in their hand. So I really... I'll play it and hope three diamonds come on the flop and a deuce, but, you know, I'm not going to raise again. I, I don't... I don't. I mean, I can see the reason why, but I'm not going to do it. If I had a deuce... I mean, if I had a deuce, I'm probably not raising. I'm happy with that many people out there, and there's no way... You're not going to get, you know... Eighth on this hand, you know what I mean? You're gonna, you might get quartered if you had ace deuce, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call and hope for a decent flop. Uh, I want to see a flop with this hand. You're wrong. I know. That's a, I don't want to. No, I like the race here, but this is again when I play Omaha, probably a little different than the book probably says. But the reason I like the race here is you're right. I mean, it's very likely we have an ace deuce with six callers, but I mean, it sounds like every hand has six callers, so you never know. But the fact that there's so many people in here that shouldn't be in here, and again, when I teach my Omaha class, I'm like, there should never be more than three people in the Omaha hand ever. So when you're getting five or six, that means you've got a couple people that shouldn't be in there. So. Um, and we've got a hand that's pretty good. You know, a suited ace tray is a strong hand, and then you've got this pair, too, which is not a great pair, but you got some potential with that as well, too. Um, so, I, you know, I want to build this pot because i got a chance of uh, winning here, and I don't want to waste it. And, you know, if you raise here, you're going to get all those people are going to call. No one's going to drop for one more bet. Right. So now you've just doubled the pot size, and if you miss on the flop, then you're out, and that's all right. It costs you one more bet than you would have normally put in. That's no big shame. Uh, but if you hit your diamonds or you hit some eights or you get the uh, deuce comes and your low is gone, now you just build a pot before people see the board. And that's always the key in Omaha is to get the money in before while well, people are still dreaming. And it's, it's, it's a full of dreamers. So let's let them pay an extra $6 to see that dream. Now, let's let's explore that for a second. So are you helping them? as well by doing this because now they've got the I mean now that you've made that pot gigantic and it's a limit every street now is just one bet and you know what I mean to with the oh, exactly. incredible odds my idea here is to build a pot I feel my hand is strong enough that it can win here okay this is not a hand that I'm trying to push people out this is a hand that I'm just trying to build a pot for me and like I said if, if the board comes and it's not really conducive to my hand then I'm going to be a little more cautious or even get out but um but, you know, I'm willing to put that extra six bucks in now on the come because I know it's going to be harder for me to get that money out of them. You know, if the board comes with three diamonds, let's say, right? Yeah. Um, it's going to be very hard to get more money out of anybody, right? Um, or I should say harder. Right? It sounds like everybody here is a dreamer, so they might overrun yeah. runner boats or something. But. Yeah. So, but if I could build a pot now where no one has any inkling that there's going to be three diamonds to come, that's where I'm making my money now. Now, obviously, it's unlikely that three diamonds are going to come. It could be three high cards, and then our head's completely done. Um, but it's worth it to me for the six now, because I know that's going to end up putting another 36, 42 hours in this pot. Okay. With a hand that's pretty strong. Okay. Gotcha. All right, here it says, fold, call, or raise. All right, well, we just figured that out for him. <laughs> 
Uh, he said, if I had a deuce instead of the tray, I'd raise here. Uh, but I do want to see a flop, so I call. All right, so he's playing like you. All right. Loser. Button <laughs> uh, folds, uh, blinds complete, so we're uh, seeing a flop with seven people in the hand. Wowzers. <laughs> Still want to be in this game. <laughs> flop comes five of diamonds, five of clubs, four of diamonds. Uh, he says, well, crap, with so many callers, it's hard to believe they all missed this flop. All I have is a flush draw and suck a net low. Uh, the other gun player bets six, four people call, and we are last to act. Uh, well, according to Scott, <laughs> I want to build pots. I think I have a chance to win. <laughs> now, I still have a, a ideal card in mind here. Uh, obviously, a deuce, deuce of diamonds. Same card be, that we're thinking of, yeah, right? deuce yeah. of diamonds would be unbelievable, but... <laughs> Um, you know, we've got the second nut low, we've got the nut flush, even though the board's paired, so we're probably already losing to a boat because everyone plays low cards in Omaha low. So you could be losing already. Your flush could be useless unless you do get that deuce of diamonds. So, but in this case, because we could be behind already and our diamonds now can be pretty much useless unless we get the deuce, I'm not, I'm just, now we're really just playing for the low. And even a wheel now will get you the low, but it, it's probably not going to get you the high. So I'm not really one to just put more money in there for half the pot. I feel like I'm not going to win more than half the pot unless one card out of 40-plus unknown cards. You know what I mean? I just, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to call. Wrong! Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, no, again, this is kind of a borderline one, but I'll tell you why I like the raise here. Uh, again... We've got a hand that can improve. Now, you're right. Uh, one miracle card, that would be awesome. And it's probably even less likely that miracle card can come because with so many people in this hand, it's likely the deuces are already out. So it's probably in somebody else's hand right now. So I'm not not silly enough to believe that that's a possibility. But, um, but with this many people, and remember, we go back to what he said at the top, that some people think the top two pairs are monsters. So we can't be... You're right, 5-4 and a boat already might already be out there. Um, but if it is, it would probably be the guy that started the betting, right? Would it? Because somebody else would have probably raised at some point, I would think. But Maybe. it could be wrong. Um, but we have some potential here. So I'm still going to build. I'm going to put my other six in here to build this pot for me because I think I've got some possibilities. Obviously, any deuce comes, then, then I've, I've locked up the low. I mean, not... All of it for me could be a split pot, but I know I'm getting money back at that point, right? Uh-huh. Uh, because nothing's going to change. I've got the wheel. Um, and our eights, which I wasn't particularly excited about pre-flop, now we've got a pair on board that's lower than us. So if an eight comes on the turn, it's likely that we have the high now. Now, obviously, we have to fade a river card, but uh, so that's a couple other outs that I've put in there. Um, and it's still possible... Um, the diamonds will be good for us, even if it's not the deuce of diamond. Okay. Um, but here's the thing: is I know there are people making a mistake in this hand right now, so that doesn't mean that I need to make a mistake. But um, it's I'm making less of a mistake than some other people in the hand, so that's why I want them to pay another six dollars. If it works out for me, then I've just made more money. And if not, again, I've only put twenty four in at this point in this hand with a really good hand and good possibilities here so I'm not upset uh, well you know upset if, I, if the hand doesn't work out but at this point I, I, this is $24 well invested for me I think so 
You know what you and sound like? Now if I raise, now maybe maybe there is a 5-4 that's just kind of laying in the weeds. Now maybe they're going to raise, and then, then I'll know, right? You sound, know. you sound like a dreamer. <laughs> You're like, hey, if I hit that, one of two eights, and my flush might be good in an Omaha game where everybody's in, and you know the nuts is always out there close to it. Yeah, yeah, and your deuce might, that one of deuces that are probably all out, but that one deuce comes, yeah, so I'm just going to put more money in there in case that happens. You sound like a dreamer, like someone standing in line for the Powerball. But, you know. the difference. I'm a dreamer and I'm a doer. It could happen. It could happen. So, I mean, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with just calling here because you close off the betting and now you get to see what's going to happen and you got all these people in there and there's a possibility you're going to pick up some more bets. I just think this is a great opportunity to build that pot. And because, again, we know other people are making a bigger mistake than we are. So Right. You've been dealt 8-3 and you want to double down playing blackjack. That's what you're saying. It's a, <laughs> it's a great opportunity to make more money. So you're going to double down on it rather than just say, okay, hit it. So I agree with you, but I don't agree with you. So yeah, let's. It's not taking the insurance bet on blackjack. Now we're now we're yeah, the world's longest running blackjack podcast. Now all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden. <laughs> all right, Rio says uh, I call. I don't like my hand, but if I can turn another low card, preferably a diamond, or if I catch an eight, I can reevaluate. If a high black card comes, I'm out. Well, if an eight comes, you're definitely going to be evaluated. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so the other ones. But, uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I like my hand. I, this is not a hand where I'm saying I don't like my hand. Uh, I think you're right. There's a lot of trouble out there, a lot of people here. Um, but I still like my hand. Um, yeah, I don't know. Too, I don't know if I'm out either if a high black card comes. It depends on how it goes. If it goes bet, call, 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 call again, then I'm getting a ton of money on my $12 bet to try to hit that deuce. Oh, exactly. You know, and whatever. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not completely. And then imagine out. if we raise here again. Now, now we built so much in the pot that even if a high black card comes, now we've got the proper odds to, to stick around. Which yeah. I imagine we probably have this proper odds anyhow, but um, that's just going to make it easier for us to stick around um, and not force ourselves out of this on the turn. Yeah. Because you still have a lot of potential. I mean, if a black jack <laughs> comes. <laughs> Um, it doesn't really change much. I mean, it makes it less likely that our eights are going to be good if we hit an eight, but that's really the only thing that changes. Okay. If somebody has a random jack five in their hand, okay, maybe that does it. But otherwise, you know, it, 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 at that point, it's just we have one more card to come to for all this potential instead of two, which, you know, is something. But I don't think that really changes too much for me. So I'm certainly not going to um, say I'm out already. Okay, well, now I'm salivating at the prospect of the turn, so what's coming? <laughs> All right, the turn is the deuce of diamonds. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Some dreams do come true. I hope he says I doesn't like his hand, and he's uh, worried about this now. <laughs> that's going to be a real problem. Uh, he says, I have to look twice at the board and feverishly try to remember if I really had the ace tray of diamonds in my hand. And this is where Omaha is really bad, right? Because now you're, now you're flicking your four cards, like, feverishly, as he yeah. said, right? Now yeah. people... And now, if you you know raise, people are going to know it. But so that's that's why it's always good to remember your hand. But uh, but the stuff you, you when you get the steel wheel, you're going to want to make sure you have it right. Not... Yeah. Uh, he says uh, so. He's doing all that uh, all the while while trying to keep from doing a happy dance. Uh, I'm going to play, uh, play your bets out again for twelve, uh, and we have two callers when it gets to us. I'm calling. You're not going to fold. No, I'm calling. And, and I'm not raising because, like you just said, once you raise, it's obvious. But 
you know, if they're calling and not raising themselves, then it could be that they're still drawing and they can't beat you no matter what comes. So I'm thinking, why not just call and try to get this guy to bet again and see what they do? And then if they don't bet, then you can raise because you're going to get 12 more out of the guy who's betting out with his obvious boat. So I, I, I if we raise again, you might send off because they had ace deuce at this point they're not going anywhere um right. probably yeah. if they're playing only a low and they had ace deuce they're out of this if they counter got counterfeited why would they have called but again they would have called yes yeah so so, right, so. so i'm just calling right damn uh, i thought you were gonna make a mistake on every street no no, uh, yeah. no. Uh, here's what i like to call here now is because of that third player so i want to keep him in and i want to get an extra 12 bucks out of him on the river right right because now if you raise, the risk you run is the end of the gun. Going raising you. Exactly. And then that guy in the middle is not going to want to call two bets. He's, now he's going to say, hey, I'm beat, right? But if you call now, now what's going to happen on the river is the other gun player is going to bet out again, right? That guy in the middle probably is going to call because you're right at this and point. There's, and there's two callers. Bets. Don't forget there's two callers. Oh, two callers. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah so you got three and four. Yeah. Right, right. So now you'll pick up another 24 from those if they stick around again. Now you can raise on the river and then get that money. But if you raise right now, the worst case scenario, I think, for your hand is to raise now and the end are going to raise again and then you drive those other two callers off. Right. And then he'll check to you on the river. Now you $12 instead of 24. Huh? Yep. And he'll check to you on the river, and then you're just getting the 12 out of him in the end instead of him betting out yeah, again. Yeah, you're really killing your value here by raising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, Rio says I end up calling here, but as I think about it, maybe I should have raised uh, under the gun. Likely has a boat and probably isn't going anywhere. The other two may or may not be on Ace Deuce, and their little hands are now suspect. So I might lose them. My thinking at the time was that I expected the undergun to continue to bet his full house, and maybe the other two will have enough of a low, or maybe the flush to call him and I'd raise in the river with position. That's exactly what you should have been thinking. Yeah, until he said that, I was thinking this was a BS hand. Not not what you think. I was going to say it, this is uh, this is like a brag submission. Yeah, yeah. He was just. I just want to hear somebody he's talk not. about my steel wheel. Yeah. But he's not. This is clearly a tough situation for him to try to get the most money out of this hand possible without screwing it up. So um, you know, kudos on the on the steel wheel and and whatever. But really, it is it is an interesting, intriguing hand to get the most money out. So until he said that, I was thinking, oh, this guy just wants to talk about his steel wheel. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's a tough... I, I agree with the call, though. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. All right, the river is the ten of diamonds, and I guess we haven't been doing the boards here, but it's uh, five of diamonds, five of clubs, four of diamonds, deuce of diamonds, ten of diamonds is our final board. Our undergun player does not disappoint, bets $12 again, but the other two players fold now. Yeah, obviously we're raising, so... Yeah, he says, no reason not to raise, uh, so I do. Uh, the other gun tanks for a bit, smelling that I had him beat. He thought I had the overfall and just calls. He turns over 5-4, queen jack for the flop boat, no low. Wow. And I sweep. That's an interesting hand to, to get involved with in a, in a kill, 6-12 game kill. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I might might play that hand, but I doubt it. That's pretty much going on the muck for me. Pre-flop. Oh, definitely, yeah. Under yeah. the gun, jeez. Yeah, under the I mean, gun, too. That just shows you what um, what kind of juicy game this is. Yeah. So, now, yeah. obviously, that guy hit well, but then he got punished for it, right? So, yeah. Um, but it is interesting that the 5-4 was out there, because we were talking about that, how, how much the, the high was. So, I mean, a diamond wasn't going to help us at that point. It had to be that one diamond. Yeah. 
But we were also live for the low against that guy, right? Yeah. Now, it's possible, I would guess, that one of the other players in this hand had ace-deuce. Um, well, no, probably not. Uh, maybe well, maybe one of the other ones that folded. Gosh, that doesn't make sense either. Well, they might have had ace-deuce because now they're ace counterfeited and they're hoping that another low will come on the river. When it didn't come, they let right. it go knowing that they're counterfeit and their low is horrible. Right. Could have been that. but Or they had some kind of high thing. Maybe they had, I don't know, some other thing that just on the off chance that nobody had a better hand. Yeah. That's yeah, weird. But yeah, tough beat for that guy. Uh, but he should have never been in the hand, so I don't feel too bad for him. Yeah. All right. I'm, uh, is that it, or is there more to it? Yeah, it? No, he just says, last question, and we don't probably want to spend too much time on it, but how, how do you deal with tables like this? You can flop the nuts, but in limit games, you can't push these dreamers off their hands. They will call with inside straight draws, run around or flush chances. So many cards, calling pre-flop and then calling the flop that draws, one of them invariably hits the two outer ends of beating you. Well, I think Scott has the right approach with the build the pots when you have a strong hand and just let variation take its course with, and punish them and play it strategically like like we were talking about on that turn. The right thing to do is to call there, not force those dreamers out because you've got the absolute nuts there both ways. So, Yeah, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. You're thinking, this, this is what happens when people are like, ah, oh, that's why I don't play aces anymore. I always lose with them, which is ridiculous. Right? You're, you're thinking of the worst case scenario. you got to think of the best case scenario of this. This is a dream game. I mean, you should be playing this game every day if you can because you're going to be a successful player in this game because of that. And you're going to get sucked out on from time to time. That's just part of it. But as long as you're building the pot, um, you know, if you go back, uh, how much money you lost on this hand by not yeah. using where I was before. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's result, results oriented in a small sample size. But um, when you have the best and you're putting more money in, you're, you're going to win the pot more often. And now you're going to get more money to cover those times when uh, they do hit those runner-runner things. So... You know, an Omaha game when you get six people in and no one goes when you raise, that is a dream game. So just keep putting the pressure on. And then, again, Omaha is a great game because if you miss the flop, you get out. You don't have to think about it. Right, right. right. If you got three low cards and three paint cards come, you're done. You don't even have to think about anything. Yeah. Unlike Hold'em or Hold'em, you always have a chance at something. And that's where people get uh, messed up with. So. All right, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. 